You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Turn your Bibles, please, to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea and on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord, and with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle, Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning 
and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Our Heavenly Father, what a wonderful God you are. And I just pray that tonight, God, that you would help me to bring glory and honor to your name. I pray, dear God, that you would be lifted up, magnified, honored, worshipped, praised, because you deserve it, dear God. I thank you for your power. What a blessing just to read the text. What a comfort. Oh, what it does to our faith. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you left us a record of who you are. And I thank you that we get to preach that tonight. Again, please glorify thyself. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure that King Jehoshaphat did not wake up that morning expecting to be surrounded by the enemies. But there he was. And the inhabitants of Judah, surrounded not just by one army, but three armies. It was an impossible situation for the king. It would seem to be a hopeless situation. Now, Jehoshaphat was a good king. He did try to do right. And by the way, sure, he should not have been buddies with King Ahab. But Jehoshaphat did get that right. If you look with me in 2 Chronicles 19, this was after that uh, battle where King Ahab died and he went back and he did try to do right. And Jehoshaphat, verse 1, the king of Judah returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to the king Jeho Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, and that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. Verse 4, And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim, and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. So we see there Jehoshaphat going back and bringing his people back to God. But here in chapter 20, he gets attacked. And by the way, may I say by way of introduction, you don't have to be doing wrong for trouble to come. Jehoshaphat was a good man. He was trying to do the right thing, yet he was still attacked. This idea that, you know, if a person lives for God, their troubles will just go away. You know what? That is not true. That's not true at all. Uh, tell that to Job. The Bible says he was a just man and feared God and stayed away from evil. But one day he found himself broke and all his children dead and his wife telling him, curse God and die. But the Bible says he was a good man. He feared God. 
The truth is, trouble comes to those who are living for God. And by the way, and at times it would seem that trouble just keeps piling up. <laughs> One trouble after another, man, it just doesn't seem to be stopping. In fact, Job said in Job chapter 3, verse 26, I was not in safety. He says, I was not in a safe place. It says, neither had I rest. Neither was I quiet. Yet trouble came. Yeah. I mean, I already had it bad. Yet still it got worse. Jehoshaphat was trying to do right. Yet trouble came. So, Jehoshaphat threw his crown down to the ground and shook his fist up to heaven and cried, Why God? What have I done? I'm trying to do right right now. I'm surrounded by my enemies. By the way, that's the wrong version there. Uh, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He didn't complain to God. He didn't go shake his fist at God and say, God, why? Don't you know I'm trying to live for you? Why? And by the way, sad to say, some Christians are that way. Trouble comes and all of a sudden they forgot all what God done for them. And say, why God, why us and why me? And why is it happening? No, he didn't do that. Jehoshaphat, first of all, he went to the house of God. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat that stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. You see, in times of trouble, that's when we ought to get closer to God. Not further away from God. You see, it's not the time to be skipping church. Is it? That's not, there, by the way, there's never a time to skip church. But especially when trouble comes, that's when we need to be in the house of God. With God's people even more. It's in church that we can get encouraged to keep doing right. We always quote Hebrews 10.25. But Hebrews 10.24 tells us why we go to church also. It says, and let us consider one another to provoke, to incite to provoke unto love and to good works. Where do you get that? You don't get that online. Online is for sick folks that can't come to church. We have that as a service for them. So that they can at least get the service. But for those of us that do not need that. We need to gather around as a church to provoke one another unto love and to good works. And the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in the internet. No. What does that mean? This is what it means. Right here. We get together and assemble together uh, as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching church is where we help one another. To provoke, to incite one another to love and to good works. And church is where we get encouragement from one another. Amen. Because in church we get to hear about the one that we worship. God Almighty. Amen. Whoo! Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm getting excited by my own preaching. And that's good. Jehoshaphat did the right thing. He knew where to find help. He was in the house of God. 
But what did he do in the house of God? He humbled himself. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared and, and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast. By the way, fasting is a sign of humility. David said, I humbled my soul through fasting. He humbled himself before God. In verse 12, it says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. You know what he did? He admitted his helpless condition. He acknowledged his dependence on God. He declared that he had no answers for his predicament. He humbled himself before God. You see, we live in a society where pride is considered the virtue and humility is weakness. Oh, but God still resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. You see, he went to the house of God. And when he went to the house of God, he humbled himself before God and said, God, this is out of our league. Amen. Basically, that's what he's saying. We can't do this. And then he prayed. And by the way, he prayed specific prayer. It's not like the prayer we pray in the mealtime. God bless this food. No, it's not that. It was a specific prayer. In verse 10, he says, and now behold the children of Ammon. And Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade. I say, God, we had a chance to wipe them up before, but you told us not to. But look what they're doing now. It says, uh, invade. When they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. No, he said, God, this Ammonites and Moabites and Mount Syriites, we did not touch them. We could have killed them, but we did not because you said not to. Now look what they're doing. It was a specific prayer for a specific problem. Amen. And we ought to pray that way. In fact, Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, be careful. That means don't worry for anything, by the way. And we've heard, uh, I think, a lot of preaching on that now. Uh, don't worry is a sin. All right. So don't do it. Amen. Just stop it. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Make it clear to God exactly what you're asking for. He prayed specifically and he also prayed claiming the power and the promises of God. That's how we ought to pray. I mean, just it was a blessing just reading that because... Uh, look in verse 8, and say, these are all rhetorical questions, by the way. The answer is yes. And, he's, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art now thou God in heaven? Yes, he is. But Jehoshaphat was kind of reminding. You are the God in heaven. We know that. Are thou not the God in heaven and rulest thou not over all the kingdoms of the heathen? Yes, he does. And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? That's true. Art thou not our God? Yes, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? Yes. And they dwelt therein and have built their sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, ah, I'm not sure if Jehoshaphat was trying to convince himself or he's just kind of buttering God up. Yeah. But either way, it works, amen. 
And they dwelt uh, If when evil cometh upon us, and the sore and judge and pestilence of famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for in thy name is this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. That was God's promise to them. And Jehoshaphat was reminding them that. God, he was reminding God, you know these three armies right here? They're no match for you. You're the one that rules over the heathen. And God, you know, you told us when we, if we gather here that you would listen to us in this place. We're just reminding you, God, that you promise because I know you always keep your promises. And God, you have all power. And God, you always keep your word. So we see that Jehoshaphat did all the right things. He went to church. He humbled himself. He prayed. Yet the situation still seemed hopeless. The armies are still out there. But he was doing the right thing. Amen. But that was about to change. And God is about to speak. And what he had to say will change the circumstances Amen. completely around. In verse 14, then upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, Levi. Of the sons of Asaph came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours. Then two words. But God's. God was telling the Jews. I want you to get ready. You're about to see a. But God. Moment. You see your enemies are mighty. But God. Praise God. Is mightier than them all. Your situation is hopeless. But God. Is the God of all hope. Your outlook is dim, but God is about to shine in all his glory. We can all use a but God moment in our lives, can we not? By the way, God delights to give us those moments. See, it doesn't matter what your situation is. Go ahead and describe your situation. This is great. But put those two words after that. It just changes everything. Amen. Brother you don't understand what I'm going through. I'm, I'm going through this. This is what's happening right now. But God. Woo! Man, that is good. It is good. We have a great God. I wish he'd get magnified and glorified tonight. He deserves it. Amen. I don't deserve God. Woo! But praise God. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. That I have a God like our God. Does he get ready? You're about to have a but God moment in your life. You see, Abraham found that out. Abraham's faith, by the way, at times wavered. By, you don't have to be perfect to get these moments. Abraham was not. Abraham actually was a, a deadbeat a husband here. Uh, his faith times wavered, but God still called him the friend of God. 
One day, Abraham got scared that the people of Gerar would kill him because of his wife. So he told them Sarah was his sister. Imagine that. He was looking out for him. He didn't care. You know where he put Sarah? In a harem of this king. Imagine that. He put her there in that situation. But God, but God had a promise to Abraham and Sarah. And God was going to keep that promise. But I could just imagine what Sarah was about to think. It's like, what's going to happen to me? Basically, I'm captive here. But the Bible says in Genesis 20, verse 1, And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelt between Cadiz and Shur and Surgeon and Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Abraham should have not done that. He should have protected his wife. And now Sarah was in a dangerous position. Verse 3, Genesis 20. But God, oh, amen, came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. God told Abimelech, You touch that woman, you're dead. But God. Abraham found that out. David had a but God moment. 1 Samuel 20, 23, verse 9, And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, Thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the man of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, will the man of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went with us as they could. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah and he forbeared to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in the mountain in the wilderness of Siv. And Saul sought him every day. Imagine that. Waking up every single day. Knowing that somebody out there is trying to kill me. But God. <laughs> delivered him not into his hand. Whew. King Saul thought he had David cornered. But God kept David safe. And by the way. Say what you will about Samson, but Samson was a man in the Old Testament that said the Spirit of the Lord was upon him more than any other man. We don't condone his sin, but God used him. God used him to kill a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. And when he was done, he was about to die of thirst. And he was sore thirst and called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. But God claved a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Abraham and Sarah were in a bad situation, but God 
deliver them. David had a death sentence over his head, but God protected him. Samson was about to die of thirst, but God provided his need. Joseph's brothers became jealous and envious of him. And by the way, partly because of his father's fault. And it got so bad that they could not even say anything nice to him. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 4. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably. I mean, they could not even say hi. <laughs> How you doing? They hated him that much. Could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told his brethren and they hated yet the more. They hated Joseph so bad they wanted to see him dead. Genesis 37, 19, and they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast have devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his. That's how much they hated Joseph. They changed their minds and said, you know what? Let's just sell him as a slave. And we know the story. From Potiphar, Potiphar's house, to the prison, to the palace. Years later. He was reunited with his brothers. And this is what Joseph told them. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people Alive. They led Jesus down the street that led to Calvary to be crucified. And there he suffered like no one had ever suffered before. He cries, it is finished. And he dies. And they bury him in a borrowed tomb. I could just imagine Satan rejoicing. Perhaps shouting, I got him. I killed the Son of God. The Christ, the Savior, is dead. <laughs> but God. Amen. Acts chapter 13, verse 27. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they, Pilate, that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. Amen. But God raised him from the dead. On that third day, perhaps Satan was hanging around the tomb and enjoying the victory. But then the ground started shaking and the stone was rolled away. And up from the grave, he arose. But God, amen. Woo, praise God. It was September 14, 1986. I was sitting in a church service at the Clyde Avenue property. The preacher preached. And I knew I was a sinner. I knew I deserved to die and go to hell. And I knew my good works will never take me to heaven. Oh. But God commended his love toward us. And now while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And by the way, if you're here tonight and have trusted Jesus as your Savior, you too were dead in your sins and on your way to hell. But God changed all of that. Amen. Amen. 
but God is now having you go to heaven. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. One day death will come. As death comes to all men. But if we're saved. We can have the same testimony as the psalmist said in Psalm 49. In verse 14 he's describing the, the people that are dead. Like sheep that are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But you know what? If we're saved, the next verse is our testimony. It says, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me. But God. What's the lesson for us tonight? Yes, when trouble comes, don't skip church. Yes, we ought to humble ourselves before God. And yes, we ought to pray. Just like Jehoshaphat did. But there was still another aspect of Jehoshaphat's faith that we need to look at. In Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20, if you turn there. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah. And ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established, believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army, and to say, praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. By the way, they were looking at three armies. They were facing trouble. And yet Jehoshaphat says, let's praise God. Let's sing about his holiness. That's an attitude that we ought all to have. If not, we're going to complain. You see, when trouble comes, that's not the time to stop the singing. That's not the time to stop the praising. And by the way, that's the time we ought to do more. Because in those times, you know what? God is still God. God is still right. God still loves us. And God still deserves the praise. And what happens is we say, well, I don't have the song. Why not? God's still the same. What happened to the song? They were looking at three great multitudes of people. Three groups. Armies. And Jehoshaphat said, hey, let's not forget. Let's praise God first. And when they did. See, when you're looking in, at trouble in the face and can still sing praises to God, that is something. That is something. When you sing on the mountaintop, yes, praise the Lord for that. Or when you get down to the valley and you don't know what the next day will hold and you can still sing. You're just saying, you know, God, I don't care what you do. I still love you. You're still the greatest. You're still my Savior. 
You're still the God of gods. You're still the King of kings. You're still the Lord of lords. You're still the creator. You're still the savior. And you're still mine, oh God. When we can do that, when we're facing trouble face to face. See, it takes your face off the trouble and takes your face to the source of help from trouble. What trouble are you looking at tonight? What seemingly hopeless situation you're expect, experiencing? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. What's the next two words? But God. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We serve a wonderful God who makes no mistakes. He knows what's best for us. He wants what's best for us. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants to show himself strong on the behalf of those who fear him. Does God provide a but God moment every time we have trouble? No, he doesn't. Though every time he's capable of doing so. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood up to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he told him, you're not going to make us serve your gods. Our God will deliver us. Well, it's a different situation there. He says, but if not. <laughs> it's not, but God. He says, no, our God will, but, but if not. But if not, we're still going to serve you. That's what I'm talking about. Even when faced with troubles that you really, you know it's beyond you. And you can still worship your God. Oh my. I mean, that's the time when God really gets glorified. That's when he gets glorified. Because he knows, look, that man trusts me. That child trusts me. Because in, in facing all that they're facing, they're still worshiping me. They're still praising me. That man loves me. That woman loves me. My child loves me. But if not, they threw the three of them in the first furnace. You know what? They said, but if not. But you know what happened anyway? But God showed up. Didn't we throw three in there? I see four. He showed up in the fire. Perhaps you're here tonight. You're in desperate need of a but God moment. Don't lose hope. Because he certainly is capable of giving you that. But if not, you just keep doing right. It's not the time to quit on God. It's not the time to quit praying. It's not the time to quit church. It's not the time to quit serving God. And most of all, it's not time to quit praising God. When you can sing in the valley and sincerely and honestly love on your God and worship Him, I believe God looks down and says, you know what? I think I want to do a but God. 
But if not, Lord, that's okay. That's all right. But God may be just more enticed or more motivated to say, you know what? I want to do something for my child. We complain too much. We worry too much, actually. I mean, Joseph, I reminded who God is. I think we need to remember that all the time. It is a sin to worry. Because God cares. And he's the one, really, when you go to, you know, has the potential to answer every need. When we honestly are able to say, but if not, who knows? But God might just show up. If you're here and you're not saved, if some, someone were to ask you, do you know you're going to heaven? You say, I'm not sure. You know, there's only one way to go to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. Jesus became man. He's God. He became man so he can pay for our sins. Because if he didn't, then we have to die and go to hell. But God doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. And trusting him as your Savior is the only way you can go to heaven. Your good works will never, ever get you to heaven. Or anything you do is what Jesus did. And if you want to get saved tonight, you say, I'm not sure of that. I'd like to be sure. In a moment, we'll have an invitation. And in that invitation, it's your invite to come forward and say, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. And we'll show you how from the word of God. A man will show a man how to get saved. A woman will show a woman how to get saved. And if you hear you're a Christian, let's stop our complaining. Let's stop our complaining. Because in the darkest and darkest of time, God is still God. And who knows, in those times, He sees you praising Him anyway. He might just say, I want to do, but God. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.